Welcome to Tips from the Server Room. This podcast is designed for all you systems admins, network specialists, or the guys and gals out there in the office who handles it all. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy Tips from the Server Room. Hey, welcome back everybody once again to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 96 for August the 25th, 2015. I'm your host Jack, and once again I'm here to guide you through that magical world of fiber optics, network cables, switches, servers, uh, you know, just all things that we deal with each and every day. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at techpodcast.com. Also, you'll find us on Stitcher.com, that's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com, where you can pick up these shows and many others. You can either use their web app, or you can use their app on your smartphone, either iOS or Android. Download that today. Please check out the show at tipsfromtheserverroom.com, where you can comment on these shows. You can also leave us a voice message at 724-701-0550. Once again, that's 724-701-0550. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and as at Technoman. We're going to jump right in tonight before we get to a topic that I want to talk about a little bit here. We're going to talk tonight about a few emails first of all. And we're going to get underway with those. The first email is from Frank. Jack, thanks for the shows. Keep up the good work. Why is fiber better than Cat6? Is one better to use than the other? Again, thanks for the shows. Well, Frank, that's bittersweet to the point, and I think we can clarify some of this. Let's first start talking about fiber optics. Now, there's two types of fiber that you're going to deal with. Either multi-mode fiber optics or dual-line fiber optics. Now, multi-mode is basically a single cable where dual line is actually two fibers together, transmit and a receive. Now, you also asked about CAT6, and why is one better than the other? The biggest thing that we found, fiber optics is great for interlinking uh, different uh, facilities. Uh, Let's say if you're, you know, in in, in all instances, uh, this is the best way to do this. We also use fiber optics to interlink our network switching closets back to our main server room. And the reason we do that is because we want the maximum throughput going from our servers into those switch closets. Now, there's always going to be a bottleneck, and I know I'm going to receive a ton of emails that says, Jack, look, if you do that, you send a gigabit uh, networking into your closet, and you know, then you're going to go gigabit out. But the thing is, it's just a cleaner signal when you use fiber optics. Now, would you want to run fiber optics to the desktop? Well, you could. Uh, They do sell fiber optic network cards, and you can have fiber going from your switch closets right into your actual uh, computers themselves. But again, there's going to be another bottleneck, and people don't quite catch the grasp of that whole thing. The bottleneck at that point is actually the computer itself. So the bottleneck is the computer itself. Because we know that the processors in that computer is processing a lot of different data. 
So if you take that fiber optic card and you shoot that data into that computer, the processor still has to process it. And we still have to worry about the overall uh, throughput, not only of the network card, but of our system bus. So there is a downfall. I mean, it, it is, again, it's a cleaner signal. So I'm not telling you not to do it. But the cost associated with the fiber optic network cards is just not the best bang for your buck. You know, I always like to have at least a gigabit uh, Ethernet card in the computer. Uh, most computers nowadays come with an onboard card, and it's usually good enough to use to send gigabit Ethernet from your switches into those cards. Now, doing this, we're going to get the maximum throughput again to the computer. Now, what fiber optics does have over CAT6 is the length of runs. Uh, you can run uh, multi-mode fiber optics for as pretty much as long as you want to go. I don't know if there is any limitations. Uh, if you do hit a limitation, you can always hit uh, throw a repeater in it, repeat that signal up some more, and keep on going. Cat 6, Cat 5 has that limitation of, I believe, don't quote me, uh, you can look it up, but I think it's 250 feet. Uh, that's about where you usually start to get a lot of signal drop, and you get a lot of decrease in your bandwidth, and you start losing a lot of a lot of packets over 250 feet. Not that I recommend running at 250 feet, but the, you know, I mean you can do that. We try to keep our runs no more uh, no more than uh, 200 feet would be about the max we want to run uh, before we would hit a switch, and the switch would actually put some more boost on that, and you can actually send it a little bit further. Uh, but you have to have some sort of a, a repeating going on to get that signal further out there. Cat6, as you know, is also uh, more inexpensive than fiber optics. Uh, you know, you can throw a Cat6 cable in for practically nothing nowadays. Even with the price of copper, you can still find really good deals. Uh, if you go to a website called monoprice.com, uh, we seem to buy a lot of wire there. You can buy, you know, a thousand foot spools there for, in the last time we bought, it might be a hundred bucks, 120 bucks for a thousand feet. Uh, you know, and, and that goes a long, long way. I mean, you're going to use that for a long time. Where fiber optics has a lot of expense to it because you got to buy the connectors, you got to have splicing tools, you got to be able to put this stuff together, and there's a lot of cost. All of our fiber optics that we run uh, in house is contracted out. And the reason we contract the fiber optics is basically just for the simple reason that those folks have the tools, they can test it, they know how to run fiber. We don't do it every day. It's not our expertise. So why bother with it? If I do buy patch cables uh, for the switches, they are all pre-made, uh, you know, pre-lengths. We usually buy either 6 or 10 foot patch cables for fiber so we can patch our switches. So... Frank, I'm saying if you want to run fiber optics to your desktops, you can by all means. I don't know how many desktops you have, uh, you know, but when you run a network and you have 900 different nodes out there and, you know, 500 of those are wired nodes, <laughs> you're going to be talking about a lot of uh, a lot of cost associated with that. So, uh, Frank, uh, thank you so much for the email. I hope this kind of helps you out a little bit. You know, so is one better than the other? Yes, fiber is better. But Cat6 and Cat5 still has a place in our networks and still has a place in most networks out there. And I'm sure you're going to still be using it for a long, long time. Uh, thanks for the nice comments. And I'm sure I'll be uh, trying to keep up with the work there. The big thing is getting your emails in, uh, folks. Is you know, So email me at jackstechcornergmail.com. Email me questions like this. Uh, you know, Give me some ideas for some shows you want to listen to or something you want me to research. And we can talk about it. So the next email we have is from Lewis. Now, Lewis asked, Jack, 
If Windows 10 is out, would it be better to start upgrading now? Will Windows 7 be around for long? Thanks for the podcast. Keep it up. Well, Lewis, let me tell you. Windows 7, I foresee it being around for quite some time. Uh, you know, it took a lot of effort for people to upgrade from XP uh, to 7. And you're probably still going to find a lot of uh, industry out there still running Windows XP for whatever uh, you know, their reasoning may be, I'm not sure what their reasoning is, but I'm sure they do run it and I'm sure it's going to be uh, around for quite some time. Uh, XP will, unfortunately, but windows seven, I think I foresee that being around for at least the next you know, five uh, years. And if, if I was to be a betting man, I, I would probably uh, say 10, uh, windows 10. Uh, if you listen to my last show, I think it was the last show we talked about windows 10, and my uh, pain and suffering, uh, or maybe in, uh, two shows ago, my pain and suffering of trying to upgrade my desktop computer, and uh, my partner's pain and suffering of trying to upgrade his desktop computer, and it's a lot of work. But I will give you a secret. If you want to upgrade your desktop computer at work, uh, the best thing that we found to do is open the case up and throw a brand new hard drive in it. Start with a fresh hard drive. And folks, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Here's the secret that I found out the other day when I was doing this. If you install Windows 10, it's going to come up. If you install it fresh, it's going to come up and ask you for a key number, right? An authentication key number. Well, in reading the help files and the forms, what you can do and what Microsoft is doing now, and it, it just simply works, and I don't know how it works, is they're allowing you to take a disk, put it in and format a fresh hard drive. So when you get to the key number, just hit skip. Now, what's going to happen is Microsoft is, and they're not really uh, publicizing this a whole lot, but Microsoft is actually, when you go, you know, to the final checkpoint where it says, you know, you want to activate Windows, it will activate without a key in there. And I don't know how it's working, and I don't know why they're doing it, but they are. Uh, I guess they're taking on good faith that you have a copy of Windows 7 or, you know, and you're just upgrading your Windows 7. I guess that might be it, or your 8.1. Um I'm not sure. I did find, and if you do a search for um, Windows 10 key code, or window, yeah, I think it was Windows 10 key is what I searched for the other day on Google. The second link is actually a Microsoft link and actually do give you a key. Um, I actually entered that key, and when I rebooted the computer the final time, it uh, simply activated. Another thing I found with Windows 10, folks, um, you know, Windows 7, when you install it, you have to install it. Then once you reboot, then you have to join it to your domain. Well, Windows 10 Pro, when you're loading it, you're going to get to a certain point, and it's, you know, when it's starting up, it's going to say, uh, is this going to be a home computer, or are you putting this on a, on a network, on a domain? Uh, and you give it your, your administrative password for your server um, and your, you know, uh, your username, password, and you give it your domain name. And when you uh, reboot this computer, it's going to come up, Control-Alt-Delete, and it's on your server. It's on your domain. So I thought that was really, really cool. So all the headaches I had uh, a couple weeks ago, um, uh, all the problems I had led me to my next topic here. I'm going to talk about uh, just a little bit. But uh, like I said, I found, and we're going to talk about this, is that I needed a Windows desktop on my desk. I can't operate any other way uh, because of what we do. You know, we use VMware. Uh, we used a vSphere software on the computer that's only written for Windows. You can't find a Mac version. There's no Linux version. So you have to have a Windows computer. 
Uh, we use another program pretty religiously called Goverland. Uh, Goverland allows us to remote in everybody's computers on the network. Fix things is allows us to push out updates to, to the desktops. Uh, it allows us to do a lot of those little things people call you for on a daily basis. Like, I need an icon created. What's your support desk uh, uh, you know, web address? Uh, this email is not being sent. We can pop on their computer with Goverland just a couple minutes, and we can, boom, we can have it fixed without even leaving your desk. Uh, so you don't have to carry your coffee cup anywhere. <laughs> anyway, so... You know, so I'm glad that I figured out the Windows 10 with a new hard drive. It is working. Uh, at this point, I have two monitors. I haven't ventured out to hook my third monitor up yet. I'm sure I will in, in due time here. But at least it's running, uh, and I hope my computer's not listening to me because maybe it won't run tomorrow. But uh, so far today, it's been running, and it's been extremely fast. I mean, I've been very, very happy with it. Uh, it's been working well. So, Lewis, I hope that helps you. Uh, can you start upgrading to Windows 10? Yeah, you can. Uh, there's not a big learning curve for your users. I don't think they're going to have a big problem. Um, you know, I like the little subtle changes with the start menu, how I can put the tiles in there. Uh, like, you know, I got Word at the top, Excel, because I use those a lot. Uh, and I was able to put my other icons in there. You know, instead of cluttering up your desktop, you got that little that little pane in there uh, on that start menu where you can put little icons or whatever they call those tiles now or whatever. And uh, it just seems to work pretty well. Uh, so you can upgrade now. If not... Wait around. I think you're going to have a long time with Windows 7. I think it's going to be around for a while. So, Lewis, I hope that helped you. Thank you so much for the email. I do appreciate that. Now, the next journey we're going to go on here in tonight's show is we're going to talk about Mac in the workplace. And Mac, I mean, uh, not a big Mac from McDonald's. I mean an Apple Mac uh, on your desk. So, when I had all that trouble with my Windows computer, I, I usually keep a Mac Mini on my desk also. Because we do have some, uh, you know, Macintosh throughout the schools. I mean, most school districts do have Macs. They have iPads to control and whatnot. So I do keep a Mac Mini on my desk. Well, I decided I was going to put dual monitors on the Mac Mini and set that up, and that was going to be my primary workstation. Well, and that lasted for pretty much two weeks, I guess. But the downfall is, like I told you, I kind of need a Windows computer on my desk uh, because of the vSphere, the Goverland I told you about, uh, it's just a remote desktop. is just more dead on. Uh, it just seems to work really, really well. Um, uh, you know, the Mac is okay, and, and the Mac will work in your network. Uh, we found some great tools that we can use on the Mac, but it's just not as fast for me to be able to click around, do my job, uh, and do it to, you know, 150%. Uh, with the Mac, I was doing it, you know, about 90%. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is, I had to put vSphere on one of our servers so I can remote out to that server, then get into vSphere, then get into my virtual servers, and it was starting to be a headache. I don't like all those jumps. I like to be able to hop in, do my thing, and, and move on. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, that makes a lot of sense to you there. But So Mac in the workplace, um, you know, I can foresee it as being a good thing. Uh, all of our, you know, the administration use Macs um, because they do basically like email, they keep their calendars. Uh, they like them because the uh, MacBook Airs are lightweight. They carry them things around on a daily basis, uh, and I think it's wonderful uh, that we have a that we have a school that's going more digital, and they're going less and less paper. Uh, you know, to see administrators carrying around a laptop every day and opening up to take notes, opening up to uh, you know uh, do an observation or whatever they do, uh, you know, opening up to see if they have a calendar appointment open. I think that's cool. I think that's really nice. Uh, between that, their uh, cell phones and uh, the iPads, you know, it's been making a much different uh, 
uh, a different type of atmosphere uh, with electronic documents. And we do a ton of that, scanning documents. The teachers are doing that. So um, I'm, I'm getting a little bit off topic here. But I'm just saying that Mac in the workplace do, does, does work. Uh, maybe your CEO wants a Mac. You know, maybe your, uh, your, your staff, whoever your staff is. But, um, I mean, come on. Even, we even have a CAD lab that we set up. And they're 21.5-inch uh, iMacs. And those iMacs have been running down there now, I know, for at least, uh, at least six years. Um, you know, and we just uh, loaded up on the um, Windows 7 on them, you know, because they're using CAD. AutoCAD runs on Windows. It doesn't, it doesn't run on a Mac. I understand there might be a Mac version out there, but we've never tried it. So uh, we use Boot Camp, and we run Windows on them. And as far as hardware goes, uh, Apple has some pretty amazing hardware. But as far as the fluency of working as a network administrator, yeah, you might want a Windows computer on your desktop. So... Uh, you know, hopefully you get my drift there. I mean, so, but I think, I think overall, uh, a Mac, Apple, uh, you know, the iPads, iPhones, Android phones, uh, they're making it in a world today where everything can coexist. And I think that's huge uh, in, in our network, uh, particularly, because let's say, remember Apple used to use a product called Apple Talk uh, for their networking? Well, if you still had that today, the wireless units would have to understand Apple Talk. Uh, you know, not just TCP/IP, um, but they don't. They basically all use TCP/IP now. Everything can communicate with each other, and I think that's huge uh, in the world of networking and, and being a network administrator. I think it's just a good thing there. So, so the next thing, uh, well, that's about. Oh, that's really all I had to talk to you about tonight. Uh, those were the big things, you know, about Mac in the workplace. Um, anyway, we'll go back just a, a, a just a couple seconds there to. Uh, tell you again, once again, to reiterate uh, the topic there is my uh, desktop computer today. Um, I, I did it, what was today? Today is Tuesday. I did it Friday. I put it together a desktop. I loaded it up on, you know, a new hard drive with one monitor. Today I cleaned my desk off. I put two monitors up. Uh, everything seems to be ticking and working well with it. Um, I do like the new interface. Um, getting kind of used to, you know, hitting the... Uh, hitting the Windows key uh, and uh, being able to type two slashes and it shows every share on your network. That's pretty handy, uh, pretty quick uh, to work. And um, it just seems to run. There's a couple subtleties, uh, like there's no more computer or my computer. They just call it file. So you click on there and it's basically a my computer window, right, or a computer window. Uh, I tried renaming that today and it won't let you. Uh, so I'm going to have to dig a little bit deeper into that. Maybe I can get into... Uh, you know, or maybe there's an add-on tool somebody wrote out there where you can rename some of those. Uh, just because if you roll this stuff out on somebody's workstation on their desk, they're going to be looking for the same thing they've seen before. So why does Microsoft change that? I, I don't know. I don't know. It makes sense. So if you, where I'm looking for my files, I click on file, there's all my files. That kind of makes sense to us because we're, te we're, we're techies. Uh, we're the, the technovians of the world and uh, we understand, you know, uh, terminology. But uh, if you're just somebody who uses a computer every day, and you're looking for my computer, and you want to open up a Word document, yeah, it gets a little bit tricky there. So, but, uh, but I do like the subtleties. I like some of the basic changes. Uh, it seems so far to work, and, and I do appreciate that. So, anyway, um, I don't want to uh, give you a bunch of uh, uh, horse blubber there. I don't want to just keep rattling on about really, really nothing tonight. But I did want to get a show out there to you. I did want to give you some uh, 
couple emails I received. I thought that was nice, and I thought I would bring this to your attention and uh, tell you about my Mac in the workplace and uh, how that's going. So, so anyway, folks, uh, we're going to wrap it up here tonight. I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate you uh, downloading the podcast, listening. Uh, you know, when, when you click on those numbers and you see, like, you know, uh, anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 people downloading the show and listening to it on a weekly basis, you know, that, that's a wonderful thing. I remember I told my wife once, I said, look, hon, if, if 10 people listen to it, I'm paying it forward to 10 people. I'm helping out 10 people. And now we're seeing those those uh, staggering type numbers. I mean, it's not millions of downloads like anything, like maybe Leo Laporte has. Um, but I'm no Leo Laporte. I'm just a guy with a computer recording into Audacity, uh, you know, with a couple sound bites uh, that I created. And, you know, it's, it's a show. It's, it's what I do. So, you know, not looking for any great rewards or millions of dollars. Just uh, for a few minutes of your attention each week to kind of listen to the show and, and comment. So, and, and that's what I appreciate. I get a kick out of that. But how can you support the show? Well, it's easy enough. Use my Amazon link, right? That's what all podcasters ask you to do. If you go to my show at tipsfromtheserverroom.com, deactivate your ad blocker because I know you use them, and look for the Amazon link. Whenever you buy anything from Amazon, car wax, uh, you know, pool filters, um, you know, uh, whatever. If you buy, you know, some people have bought in the uh, Surface Pro 3. Use my Amazon link. There's no price difference for you, and I get a little kickback for the show. It helps with stuff I need, uh, like a new limiter gate uh, that mine uh, bit the dust and blew up. So now I got to replace that. You know, it's about 150 bucks. So, uh, you know, all that all that helps out. I, I save that money up, and I buy new gear for the uh, for the office here. Also. If you want to really, really learn and get rid of all the bull crap that these courses have online, and what I mean by that, I've taken some of these courses, and they say, look, Jack, you have six weeks to complete this course. you got to live on a computer to complete their courses. It's horrible, and they charge thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for these courses. But if you want to learn Windows Server 2008 R2, Windows Server 2012 R2, or VMware ESXi 5.5 Server, from install to administration, sign up for one of my courses. Go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Look for the online class link at the top of the page. The courses are self-paced, folks. You watch a video. You take a two- or three-question quiz. And at the end of the course, I will mail your certificate in the mail. These certificates have gained people employment. These certificates have gained people promotions. They've also helped uh, employers to say, look, uh, Joe likes to have continuing education. That's wonderful. Uh, you complete the courses. Most companies have been paying, uh, paying the feedback to the uh, individual for taking the course. So you're not going to lose, right? You can always learn more, and that's a wonderful thing. Once, ago, one, once, ago, <laughs> once again, go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Look for that class link and uh, sign up today. As soon as you sign up, you will start immediately. Uh, you'll start that course. And the best thing about it is I have no time limits. I just had a gentleman email the other day and said, Jack, you know, I finished the whole course. Um, what do I do now? I mean, uh, can, I, can I come back and watch these again? And I said, yes, you are a lifetime uh, member of the course now. You're a life learner. Come back whenever you feel like it and watch them. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to pay me a monthly fee or anything. Some of these courses are like, oh, pay me, uh, you know, 50 bucks a month, and you can watch the course over and over and over. Now, nah, you just pay one time, and you're good to go. So check it out. Tipsfromtheserverroom.com. You can't go wrong where thousands of people are learning each and every day. Folks, thank you again for so much uh, for listening, downloading the shows, and I hope you come back next Tuesday for another podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.
just listened to Tips from the Server Room with your host, Jack. If you have any questions, please drop me a comment at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. Thanks again for tuning in and downloading the shows. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the remainder of the music. We'll see you next week on Tips from the Server Room. So long.